0: following sermon is a ministry of hilton head presbyterian church for more information visit us online at hiltonheadpca.com and what a great team we have i hope you all are as blessed as i am each week as we come and the different talents that are brought together and bring to bear uh, for us it's good to be back with you i appreciate opportunity to be away with my family for a few days to enjoy some time um, Alone with them. And as I've come back in, and I'm not a huge New Year's resolution kind of person. We were so exciting. I was asleep on one couch. Lisa was asleep on another. Her sister was asleep on, in a chair. Or actually, she was chastising us for being asleep. Uh, and so we looked at each other said, Happy New Year, and turned off the TV and went on. And as I was reflecting, though, on this change of a calendar and the significance that somehow it makes in so many lives. I was thinking through that evening of watching uh, the TV and the millions of people, I mean, unbelievable amount of people in downtown New York uh, standing there all to see a, a a glass ball drop down, and somehow that moment would be such a cataclysmic event in their life that maybe it would change things for them. Uh, I don't know. I, I find it to be a little underwhelming to have to stand in freezing temperatures wearing an adult diaper because you can't go to the bathroom. You literally stand there for eight hours, and you celebrate a New Year's, and, and TV shows are seeing people in, you know, in Colorado smoking pot, and other people doing this, and going, Happy New Year. And I thought, that's not beautiful to me. And what I want to see is God in all of his magnificence become more beautiful to me. He doesn't become, or he, he can't become more beautiful, but that I get to see him as more beautiful that all the other things in this world sort of begin to diminish in my life. And I get to see him for the beauty of who he is. It's what happens within marriage or what is supposed to happen within marriage that over the years uh, that you get to see your bride, if you're the groom, as I was, you get to see your bride walking down. I I officiated a wedding uh, over my break, not much of a break, but I officiated a wedding and once again, looking down, standing next to this incredibly tall uh, Army uh, helicopter pilot, six foot six, and just standing there. And this young man, in all of his strength, his knees just started to get weak because his bride, Kirby, dressed in beauty of white, walked towards him. And I just whispered to him, I said, Soak it in. Because <laughs> you get to. And then I was thinking for myself, 25 and a half years into marriage, soak it in. See your bride as more beautiful. See your beloved as more beautiful. Parents, see your children as beauty. Begin to soak in the richness of the beauty of of the life that we have. But in the midst of that, look through it to the true beauty that is behind it. The true artistry and the true artist who says, I've given you this because it's a reflection of who I am. And so our hope this year for you at Hilton Head Presbyterian Church is that you would see God as beautiful. You would see him as captivating. That the gospel would be something more to you than just a few words. But the gospel would truly be good news that you stake your very heart and your soul upon we have a, a simple mission statement at our church, a vision that simply says, we want to be about transforming lives by the power of the gospel. That's it. You guys know that, right? Let's say it together. Transforming lives by the power of the gospel. And if you forget it, it's literally written on the wall as you walk in the church. I asked somebody that the other day. I said, do you notice anything new in the Welcome Center as you come in? They're like, "No." No, it's like big letters posted on the wall right up there that say transforming lives by the power of the gospel. I'm like, oh, no, I never looked up. Well, my encouragement, look up and see what we're all about because we as a church, any church, are designed for one particular purpose only, and that's the purpose of the transformation of lives through the power of the gospel, bringing glory to God. If our church stops doing that, then we need to stop gathering together we've said together over the years that we wanted to be a church that would be missed if we closed our doors and i believe we're moving into that space now uh, that we're a church that's having a significant impact uh, in the community in which we find ourselves uh, that god is doing some work in and through us and that lives are being transformed and we've said that within the midst of that transformation That a transformer, how do you know if a life is transformed? We would say that there's four dynamics, as it were, uh, for a transformed life. That a person whose life is being transformed by the power of the gospel is a person who begins to celebrate God more deeply. That you worship within the context of public worship, that you gather, that maybe you sing, you try at least. How many of you all, that was a new song that we tried there this morning, the third one that we sang. It was new for me too. And the poor girls in front of me had to hear me trying to sound it out uh, in front of me. But we sing. We go, you're beautiful. You're glorious. You're wonderful. You're our holy God. You're worthy. And we, we praise. It draws our affections towards God. So we, we recognize that a transformed life is a life that is a life of celebration. We also say that a transformed life is a life that has its mind and its heart uh, renewed by the power of the gospel, by God's spirit working in us. Because we're influenced by things, we're influenced by TV, we're influenced, did anybody buy anything for Christmas that you saw an advertisement for uh, previously, that you saw something and went, oh yeah, I'll buy that. Anybody else? Oh, I'm a marketer's dream at this time of year. And I, the best gift that I bought this year, not, it didn't end up with my family, it was a white elephant gift for, or a secret Santa gift for our staff. Uh, and it was bowl glow, bowl glow. You attach it to your toilet bowl and it glows different colors at night when you open the seat. It was awesome. You know how I learned about that? I saw an advertisement and I went, I got to have that thing. I was influenced by an advertisement for bowl glow and somebody stole it and they used it and they said their grandson thought it's the best thing he's ever seen in his life. <laughs> so bowl glow, just in case you're wondering. But we're influenced by the world around us, and we need to have our minds uninfluenced by the world around us. And so we say that we renew our hearts and minds by the power of God's Word through His Spirit. And that's why we want people engaged in small groups, women's ministry, men's ministry, uh, young adult ministries on Wednesday nights, the student ministries and kids ministries that are all here, uh, young at heart, that we want to renew our minds, that we want to study in 360s, that we want to see our minds renewed Uh, By the gospel, that we think differently, that we see differently, that we feel differently. It's all been renewed and changed because we're so easily influenced by the marketing of the world and culture around us. Then the third thing that we say is that a life that's transformed by the gospel doesn't just celebrate more deeply and profoundly, isn't renewed simply by God's Spirit through His Word influencing our hearts and our minds, uh, but it is one that lives within the context of deep community. We believe that life change happens life on life, not book on life. It's good to read a book, but it's not going to change your life per se. But if I'm engaged with you in life, if we see each other regularly, if our lives become intermeshed together within the context of a small group, it's more than a supper club, but it has a meal with it. It's a prayer, but it's more than a prayer group. We do study the Bible, but it's more than a Bible study. We come together to share life to experience Christ in our midst. Uh, because the fact of the matter, I, I love the fact that we would go to accountability groups, and the last question oftentimes for men is, anything that you said to me previously, did you lie about? And I always thought that was a funny last question. So I thought, if I'm lying, I'm not going to tell you that I'm lying. Because I'm going to hide. But if I'm engaged with you long enough, you're going to look at me and go, Bill, is that really true? Or that we live together enough to go, I want to hear about your marriage. I want to hear about your children. I want to hear about your heart. I want to hear what you're struggling with. So life change happens within deep community. And we want to create spaces for that within the ministry of our church. And the fourth thing that we say about a transformed life uh, is that it's a life that serves the needs of others by bringing the gospel to bear uh, in word and deed. That it's offering the hope of the gospel. And over the next four weeks, we're going to look at this component uh, of our mission and vision. That talking about serving the needs of others, that we want to to share the gospel, to speak it, and to uh, show it in our actions. Yesterday was a great example. There were 50-some of you who braved the cool uh, temperatures. And I say cool temperatures uh, because David Ducharme, a member of our church from Canada, uh, reminded me out in the Welcome Center that it is 43 degrees below zero back home in his Canadian town. He said, Bill, that's a 70-degree swing. It's cool here. (laughs) And I was like, you're right. It's not cold. If 40-something degrees below. (gasps) So 50-some people came. And they were here, and they served the needs of this church because you walked in on uh, sidewalks that didn't have ice on them. But yesterday, they had about two inches of ice on it. And shockingly, the church does not have a deep uh, closet filled with snow shovels. So guys were coming out, busting it up, putting salt on it and doing it. And then there was another group of people that went over to the School of Performing Arts, Creative Arts, uh, and we washed some tables. I had the privilege of... Hmm, what's the best way to say this? We cleaned off the bottoms of um, tables that are used for meals. You know what you find on the bottom of tables? I don't need to tell you that it was, some of it was pretty nasty, but they're really clean now. And others were taking out some trash, but we did it in word and deed to serve for the purpose of bringing a little bit of the hope of Christ, even into the middle, into the elementary school right across the street. And what was beautiful within that is we got to hear the story, the spiritual journey uh, of the principal over there who's come to be a believer in the last couple of years. And in part, because of the faithful witness of a couple of our members who are over there and regularly live the life of Christ in front of her, so much so that she finally started looking around and going, I want what they have that she suffered through non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and another cancer on top of that simultaneously. And she came through it and she lost her house and everything in it in Hurricane Matthew. And she said, but I want what they have. And they never overtly witnessed to her in the hallways, but they lived their life for Christ, serving the needs of others, sharing the gospel through their lives in both word and deed. And she now is a follower of Jesus Christ and invited us into her school to share Uh, with her ministry there. Folks, that's what we're talking about, uh, of going and ministering to others. And so this morning, we're going to look at Acts chapter 1, and we're going to be talking a little bit about serving. Now, I want to back up on a presupposition. I am not presupposing that you are currently not serving. This is a means of encouragement a means of strengthening if you're already serving well done if you're not serving then it's a means of admonishment to help us to step out uh, to care for the needs of others and so if you have your bibles you can turn to acts chapter one and we'll read these first verses together let's pray first for god's blessing on his word father we ask now that you'd bless the reading and hearing of your word you'd encourage us through it that we would be challenged by it and that we would see you work work in us we pray in christ's name Amen. Says the word of the Lord. In the first book, O Theophilus, this is Luke writing, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you This is the word of the Lord. May he add his blessing to the reading and to the hearing of it. Amen. In brief today, we're going to look at five things. We're going to ask five questions uh, about serving. We're going to ask the question of why do we serve? What's our motivation, if you want to put it in one word? Second question, what's our objective? What's the goal uh, of this serving? So, one word, objective. So, motivation objective. And then what's what do we say? What's the, the message uh, that we have? So it's motivation, objective, message. How is it that we get this accomplished? What's the means uh, that we do uh, do it with? So it's motivation, objective, message, means. And then where do we do it? What's the venue? So those five things that we're going to touch on very briefly today, as again, a way of encouragement, as a way of motivation. So Christ spoke. And we have the question, why is it that we serve? Why is it one of the four things uh, that we determined is a value within our church and should be a value within every church to say a transformed life, a follower of Jesus Christ, a disciple of Jesus Christ is one who serves by going and sharing the gospel all around? Well, the reason is simply this. We've been given an assignment, not a suggestion. We've been given an assignment, not a suggestion. Christ didn't simply say, hey, if you don't have anything else to do, if you're not busy, uh, then fill up your spare time uh, with going and proclaiming the gospel of the good news of my coming to the world around you. He said this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. You will be that. It's a declarative. In Mark sixteen fifteen, Christ said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel. In Matthew 28, he said, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You see, it's an imperative. It is Christ saying, this is it. This is what you are called to do. You are called to serve the needs of others and their primary need of every human being in all of the world. The most desperate thing that they need more than anything else is to hear the good news of the gospel. And so we go and we share that. But for many, they can't hear it because they're so hungry. So we feed them and we share the gospel. For others, they're naked. We have to clothe their nakedness and share the gospel. What we're called to go out and to do it. There are no loopholes in this. We don't get to determine, well, I'm not all that gifted uh, on this. This was Christ's command and his last command to us. Think about it this way. You know that today is the very last day that you are going to be with your beloved, that today is the day of your death, and that you're going to go to be with the Lord today. What are your last words going to be to your spouse, to your children, to your grandchildren? Son, make sure you don't drink milk that's past the expiration date. I would hope not. But maybe it would be something incredibly profound of saying, Son, I haven't been perfect, but I hope that you've seen Christ and that you give your life to Him And follow him with everything that you have. That you say something of weightiness, something of meaning, because it's the last thing that you're going to say before you're gone. These are the last words of Jesus Christ on earth before he was taken up into heaven. He said something that was incredibly important. He said, listen, I'm going away, and I'm not taking you with me right now. I'm leaving you here because my mission has to be completed and fulfilled through you so here's what you're going to do. You're going to be my witnesses. You're going to go. You're going to do these things. It's an imperative, not a suggestion. And you, interesting that he says this. And so often people come to me and say, Bill, I don't know what the purpose is of life. What do you think is the purpose that God has for me to do? It's really simple. I usually take them right around here. I go, it's to care for the needs of other people and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Plain and simple. Is there another op- option? Nope. He didn't give any other options. That's the one. Glorify God, enjoy Him forever. And the way that we bring glory to God is by obeying His commands. And the biggest command right here, the last one that He gives, is to go and to serve the needs of others. That's our motivation, that He's given us an assignment, not a suggestion. So what's the objective? What's the goal of this? We're goal-oriented people. We have them written down. And you would know that you don't want more than seven to ten goals in a year. And you probably don't want more than three and a quarter. And so you're going to look and you go, okay, what's the goal that I have uh, for this? What's my overarching goal for this? Jesus gives us really three within this. He says, you're going to be my witnesses. You are going to proclaim the gospel, and you're going to make disciples. Acts 1, 8, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Mark 16, 15, you're going to proclaim the gospel to the whole of creation. And Matthew 28, 19, you will make disciples. What does it mean to be a witness? To be a witness means you testify to something on account of someone else, that you are testifying to a truth, to a reality. You are a witness of that. It doesn't mean that you've seen it necessarily with your eyes, where we're not first century Christians who saw Christ in that way, but we are witnesses to the truth that we know revealed to us by God through his word, through the beauty of creation that we know, and we can say, this is the truth. I testify to this. I am a witness to this. You want to know what your greatest witness is? It's your oratory skills. No. It's your life. That you say, look at my life. I gave the illustration of Across the Street, and I'll embarrass uh, B.B. Cefaldi and Ann Lively, two women who would rather me not say their names on stage, but to hear the principal say, I watched their lives. They witnessed to Christ and of the power of a transformed life, of how to walk through cancer, how to walk through difficulty, how to walk in marriage, how to walk. And she was observing. She was watching the witness. You recognize that, right? You're being watched. You don't have to be a paranoid schizophrenic to think that somebody is watching you. You are being watched. And it's a world around you that's going this. You testify to Christ. You say that this is true. Let me see it in your life. How is it that you live your life? How are you facing difficulties? How are you facing trouble? How are you taking on studies? How are you facing dating within this world? What's your, all of these things, they're looking at a witness. And so that's part of our call. Part of our objective is to witness for Christ. It is to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, to speak the truth of the gospel, that good news, which we know, and that we present within our lives, that it doesn't have to be perfectly articulate and it doesn't actually have to be perfectly right. Notice that the 12 disciples here still didn't get it. Jesus is going away. They have one last question for him. Hey, are you going to reestablish Israel as a political kingdom within the world? When is Rome going to get kicked out? I'm tired of a Democrat in Jerusalem. I'm tired of a Republican in Jerusalem. When in the world is all of this going to come about? And he said, wrong question. It's not for you to know that. It's not even for me to know that. Here's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to proclaim what you've seen, what you've heard, that you're supposed to proclaim the very same thing that Christ did, that good news. And we're going to unpack that in a second. And so we preach the gospel. We preach it in word and in deed, that we're witnesses in that way, preaching it and that we make disciples, that we want to see people come to faith in Jesus Christ. That's our hope, folks. There's not some hidden hook on the back end. We say, we want to serve your needs, we want to care for you, we want to love you in the express hope that you see the beauty of Christ and that you commit your life to this true king. That's our hope. Now, what if a person rejects that? Well, then I'm not giving you any more food. I'm not going to care for you. No, that's our objective and our goal, but we still love the person at the end of the day because guess what? We never know when that person's life is going to be transformed. We never know if it's going to be on their last day or the first day that they hear the message from us. One person recently was described simply as a seed sower. She just lived her life in such a way that people saw seeds of the gospel sown around. And so we go out and we have now, we have an objective, which is to make disciples, to be witnesses, preach that gospel. So the next question has to be, what's the message that we're preaching? If we're preaching a gospel, if we're witnessing to something, what are we witnessing to? It says here, witness to the gospel, proclaim the gospel, And it's the same thing that Jesus presented to the believers there. He said he presented himself in Acts chapter 1. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs. Isn't that interesting? That the message that they proclaimed was this message, the same message that Christ proclaimed. I'm alive. I'm real. I rose from the dead. And he did it with many proofs. Now, we don't have those same proofs that Christ had. He did incredible miracles. He was doing incredible things there. We don't have those, per se, uh, in our repertoire. So what is the greatest proof uh, that you have for the power of the gospel to transform a life, for its reality? That you're going to come and you're going to say, I read this and I believe this to be true, that the Holy Spirit opened my heart to believe these things that God is teaching me. And here's what I'm going to present to you, the proof that I'm going to present that Jesus is alive. Look at my life. Here's my story. And so you have to ask the question, do you even know what the message is that you're presenting? Do you know what the gospel really is? And is it seen in your life as you present your life as resounding proof to the world around you? Can you say, hey, here's my story. My story was a knucklehead 22-year-old banker heading home from Charlotte driving down I-77 and hearing the Lord really speak deep into my life through Mark eight thirty eight, that if you're ashamed of me and my words in this sinful and adulterous generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of you when he comes in the glory of his father and being so pierced in my heart that I got back to my apartment with my drug smoking friend and my alcoholic buddies and my binge drinking friends and my girlfriend and all of that. And I went into my bedroom and I shut my door and I said, God, I've been ashamed of you and I'm sorry. I want to live for you. And I walked out that door and didn't know what the heck I was supposed to do except to say this, you know, I, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ and I don't think I'm supposed to smoke drugs anymore with you. Okay. Okay. Hey, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ now, and I don't think I'm supposed to get drunk anymore. Okay. Hey, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, and so I don't think we can date in the same way that we've dated uh, currently. And she was like, yeah, you can leave now. And I was like, that's probably a good thing. And so it it was presenting my life changed. And so what I do now is as I engage people is talk to them about the truth of the gospel and say, let me tell you, though, this. I was lost and now I'm found. I was dead and now I'm alive. Uh, There has been this incredible change in my life. It's not perfect, but this is the good news of the gospel. You want to see a miracle? Look at Bill McCutcheon. You want to be stopped in your tracks? Look at a life that was heading to hell. And God, in His divine mercy, intercepted it and said, I'm going to give you life. That's the good news of the gospel. Do you have that story to tell? I hope that your life is transformed in that way. I hope that you can communicate it in some manner in that way. That's the message. And if you don't know how to do that, please let us help you. Let the church help you. Let the elders help you. Live in deep community with others and go, I want my life to be a witness to others. I want to be able to share the gospel, learn how to present your story to others who are around you. That's the message of the gospel, that we preach the gospel. We have to use words. We have to use words. Yes, we go and we serve the needs of others. We clean the toilets and the tables and the, all of that stuff in different places. We move trees and we put on new roofs after Hurricane Matthew. We do all of those things. But at some point, people are going to look at you and go, why did you do that? Because um, Jesus compels me to. Because I wanted to show you the love of Jesus Christ in your life because he's shown me an incredible amount of love in my life and I wanted to just love you in that way. Awesome. But can you say that? Do you know how to say those things? So that is the message that we have. So what's the means? How do we go about accomplishing this? What's the key to fulfilling uh, this great commission of serving the needs of others, both in word and in deed? And it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that we have to and must have the Holy Spirit. Uh, Verses 4 and 5, that you heard from me that John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Verse 8, you will receive power uh, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You'll be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, the end of the earth, in chapter 28 of Matthew. And when he saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, and I give it to you, is, is what he was saying And then he speaks again of being filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, the task that we have been uh, given to accomplish, the sharing of the gospel, being witnesses, making disciples through and in our lives, cannot be accomplished without the Holy Spirit's work in your life. You have to have the Holy Spirit. And you know who the Holy Spirit is, right? Right? He's the third person of the Trinity, equal with God the Father in glory and in power, equal with Christ the Son in glory and in power. He is the Shekinah glory of God who has now taken up residency where? In you. In you. And so guess what that means? It doesn't matter about your giftedness because you have the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, residing in you, who wants to accomplish the task of the Father through you, and will gift you, and give you the words, and give you the right speech, and let you know when to be quiet, and when, but you have to be sensitive to the Spirit. You have to know Him in that way, praying for His filling in that, because you see, it's about Him, not about you. Isn't that awesome? How many of you would say that you're introverts in here? Yeah, none of you would raise your hands. But uh, (laughs) extroverts, I'll give you a chance. Who would say you're an extrovert? There you go. Hey, I get to raise my hands in church. You know the beauty of introvertedness and of extrovertedness and the bearing that it has on the gospel message and the success of the kingdom? Absolutely none. So don't say, Bill, I'm I'm an introvert. I don't know how to talk to people. Okay. But you have the third person of the Trinity living in you. And he'll give you the way within your introvertedness of how to share the gospel. Bill, I'm an extrovert. I'm awesome at all these things. Yeah, you might want to calm that down because it's not about you. It's about the gospel. So you don't have to manipulate anybody. You don't have to be the biggest orator in the world. You don't have to do all of that. You don't have to be all of that. You have to be you, uniquely gifted and crafted by God, filled with the Holy Spirit to accomplish this task. Isn't that awesome news that he can use you? The knucklehead sitting in your seat God can use because it's not about you. It's always about him. And then the last thing that I'll say is this, where do we do it? What's the venue in which we do this incredible ministry of word and deed, serving the needs of others with the message of the gospel to see many come to faith? You want to know where it is? It's everywhere. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, local, in Judea, Samaria, a little bit extended, local, and into the ends of the earth. We're going to do our ministry of serving locally here, nationally, around our extended here, and around the world. That we're bringing together a team that incorporates all of those. And so we have those expressions that some are serving here locally, some are serving around the country, some are serving around the world, but we're seeing it as all part of the same pillar, which is to serve others. That we're caring for the needs of others and so what that simply means is this, <laughs> no excuses. Someone once told me years ago, you know, a missionary is not one who crosses the sea, but one who sees the cross. And I thought that's a little pithy, but it's good. It's one who sees the cross. Some of you are going, Bill, I can't be used by God. I can't go over to Africa. I can't go over to China. I can't go over there. You don't need to. It, you can do that if you'd like. There's some incredible stories uh, around. Where's Frank Barado? Frank, are you here? If you want to hear about what God's doing in the Middle East uh, through ministry in medical missions, you need to talk to Frank about going over there. But that doesn't mean you have to go over there. If you want to serve locally, then you can come yesterday, or you can go and serve around here, or go and serve on a mission that goes, and we're going to hear over the next three weeks from people within our church who are serving in all three of those contexts, and it's exciting to see what God's doing. But folks... We're called to serve. And we come to a table that basically says this today. God has never asked you to do something that he hasn't first done. He said, I'm telling you to go and serve in a place other than where you currently are. He sent his son from the beauties of heaven down into earth to serve our needs. He said, it's going to be costly for you to serve and it's going to cost my son his life. And he said, in order for it to accomplish anything, it has to have the power of the Spirit working. And that's what we experience today. So the invitation for you today is this. Let's come to this table, a table of service, where God has served us beautifully in and through his Son. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the goodness of Christ. Thank you for the beauty of the message of the gospel. We pray that we would be good stewards of the assignment that we've been given to serve you by serving others and proclaiming Christ to them. Amen.